everyone, and welcome to episode 399 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? I'm doing well, Seth. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I got to go to this like super cool uh, charity event that was like an hour away from me this weekend. Got to play some Commander with people, meet a bunch of people. It was Commander Sealed, which I didn't even know was a thing, but it was actually super fun. You got like 17 packs and then build a Commander deck out of them. So that was a super fun blast. So I had a, a really sweet weekend. But we got another co-host today in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Morning. Uh, in pretty much uh, my my hometown, I guess, and then getting ready to head back after the podcast for a fun drive. So, ooh, how how long of a drive do you have? Uh, it's like about six hours or so. Oh, geez, yeah that that is a fun drive. <laughs> that is a fun yeah. drive. Ooh, a lot of music, a lot of music on these drives, so that works. Uh, it's the most yeah, boring music. drive ever. <laughs> oh, is it it's, actually? It's not I, that bad. It's not. It, that it's, bad. it's not a big freeway. It's like. A highway, but like not what you think of when you think of a highway. <laughs> is it the like super cool ones that they show in all the commercials where you're like driving by the ocean and there's all oh, these no, cliffs no. and it's just like it's not that, that's that. the eight hour oh. version. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't we don't do that one. That one's just like way too long. <laughs> that that one's just for the commercials. No one actually yeah, drives yeah. it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's the crew for today, and we got some interesting topics. We got the full Warhammer 40k Commander decks, so we want to talk about those, and also a few of the cards from the Commander decks, and then we got a bunch of smaller topics. We got a BNR announcement for Pauper today, we have some tournament news, we got a big arena tournament this weekend, the arena championship, the first one, some magic happening in paper over in Europe, but maybe not going all that well, so we're going to be bouncing around after talking about the Warhammer Commander deck. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit, the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you're tired of all the hassles that goes into buy listing your cards, well, Card Conduit lets you skip all the typing, all the time it takes, all the work that goes into it with their curated service. You can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of $1 or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to put in a bit of effort on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which option you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results in a fast payment once your order is processed. And oh yeah, you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Cardconduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. Let's start with these Warhammer Commander decks. And we'll talk about individual cards in a minute. But I got to say and correct me if i'm wrong here these decks blew me away like i didn't really know what to expect out of this big run of commander decks but i feel like these decks are super interesting pretty powerful and maybe just like the best commander precons wizards has made maybe ever at least in a really long time am i overrating these by thinking these are just like top tier s tier best of the best commander precons i mean I'm not gonna lie to you. It it kind of kind of hurts how good these are. So yeah, like these are amazing, and it kind of raises the bar, I think, for what Commander Precons should be. Although the pricing on it is a bit steeper, right? Because I mean, like, I feel like I'm always gonna want them to make fresh cards now like a whole with like new art and everything yeah i mean that's the biggest upside like i tweeted about this the other day people are like oh what makes these better the cards don't look like that much more powerful and that might be true like there's some very good cards but it's not like oh my god this is full of dockside extortionists or something but what really sets these apart is all the cards have new art including all the reprints have new art and there's just a ton of new cards i think every deck has like 40 new cards or something so a huge percentage of these commander precons are brand new never seen before cards which is so different than a normal precon which these days gets like 10 new cards and uh, most of the art has been reused you know you know, rarely get new art on reprints so i feel like you can tell wizards put a lot of effort into these decks what do you think about these decks, Richard? Yeah, I really like the new art, right? Like, why why not just buy singles? Why not buy, like, the three singles you need? Like, because all of the cards have new art. So even if you have the cards already, you can get the new Warhammer art, right? So someone's pet project is paying off. They really wanted Warhammer to succeed. And I think they pulled all the stops because they could have really easily just put reprints um, of the old arts 
for for all the reprints. So yeah, I mean, and the, the collector versions are pretty expensive. Um, people are speculating on those as well. So I think this will sell very well, and I think this will be a big success, and that will set up future universes beyond Commander decks. So the decks themselves seem to be selling for, what, like $55? Maybe not the collector editions, which are very expensive, over $100 a piece, which isn't that much more than what normal Commander decks are anymore, right? It's like a bit more expensive, but it's not like they're hugely more expensive. My question is... If they can do this for Warhammer, why can't they do this for the normal commander decks? Is it just a case where, like, they make so many commander decks now, they just don't have the time to put much effort into them, and they're just kind of like, eh, throw them together, you know, give the intern this project for a day and, like, bash out the commander decks for Dominaria United or whatever. It made me feel a little jealous, like, because this shows that they can do this. They can have commander decks with all new art and with, like, sweet reprints and a ton of new cards. Like, it is possible. This is a thing that can exist. So is it fair to expect the magic theme precons in the future to look more like this? Or do we just got to write this off as Wizards went all out and put a lot of effort into this because it's a universes beyond product and and we can't expect our normal precons to be like this? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, what I would like versus what I believe will happen uh, are going to be two different things here. I, I think <laughs> that legitimately it'll just go back to being normal because um, it does take a whole lot of time to get commissioned art, all this other stuff. And it was, I guess, in a weird way, a little bit easier to put everything under a Warhammer lens so that they could theme all the art perfectly together. Uh, whereas, like, I don't know, may, like, they would have to put some serious thought into, like, how to get everything to sync up art-wise. Um, the new cards, I mean, we kind of already get a decent amount of new cards, uh, so I'm okay with, like, how many we get now. I more so just care about the artwork of the new cards because, I mean, I've always loved the artwork of Magic, so uh, this is going to – I just – I don't think they could do this consistently. For how many times they're putting out Commander decks a year, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think it's Universes Beyond. Right? I, I imagine, like, you're a Warhammer player. You've never played Magic. You buy a deck. It has a 100 cards of Warhammer art. Like, power level doesn't matter to you because you don't even understand the game. Uh, but you have 100 cards, right, with, like, cool Warhammer art. So you can have fun with it, right? So I feel this is Universes Beyond. And I think if they don't do this for every Universes Beyond going forward, it's going to be a little sus, right? Like, why, why did Warhammer get the special treatment, right? So I expect every Universes Beyond going forward to have, like, 100 cards with all art on theme. And it's the way it should be, right? If you're playing a Warhammer deck... I don't want, like, Teferi showing up or something in there, right? Like, show me my Warhammer stuff, right? So it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. Personally, I would rather have them make, like, half the amount of commander decks but make them all this quality rather than make a ton of them and have them just not quite look as good as these Warhammer decks. I don't know. I feel like maybe we're at a point where we're going for quantity over quality when it comes to commander precons and... I would rather, and I know they probably won't go for this because the current system is making huge piles of money, but I would rather have slightly less decks and pay slightly more for them and have them be of this Warhammer quality with the art and whatnot rather than a, rather than a ton of decks, but have them, you know, mostly just be the same old art and whatever. The other thing I wanted to bring up about these decks, what do you think we do about reprints? That's been a conversation that's been happening. Mark Rosewater mentioned on his blog that they don't have plans to reprint these cards. Uh, and then someone asked him about how they actually would reprint the cards. And he kind of said, like, if we did get to that point, uh, the cards that have unique creature types, like Asteris or whatever, they would get kind of the Godzilla treatment where they get a brand new creature type that is not an existing magic creature type. But it would also not be Asteris. It would be a new one that they created. And then the creature types would actually be the same under the rules, which is a little confusing. Is there any risk that we're like creating a new reserve list with universes beyond like how hard do you think it is for these cards to actually be reprinted in the future assuming that some of them are pretty powerful and end up being popular and i don't know end up getting pretty expensive like is there any concern that these cards are going to be too difficult for wizards to reprint i mean yeah it'll be it'll definitely be tough right because when are you going to get any positions where you can print these cards and and like the types and like having it referencing the typing in, in the text box stuff like that so i outside of just 
reprinting a Warhammer deck, like that's that's the only way to go about it, or returning to the world of Warhammer, right? I mean, you can't just do like the Godzilla treatment on these cards because they have specific types in it. Um, so that that will be interesting. That'll be very interesting moving forward. So so they will do Godzilla treatment, but it will apply to like creature types as well. So instead of uh, Astartes. Thanks for all the people who told me that's not Astarts. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Astarts. They'd make some new wizards type, and then those cards would be interchangeable. So it's like a little, it's like Godzilla Plus. Godzilla's only the name, but now the rules text will, will work with it. Um, but I wouldn't worry about this. Money always finds a way, right? If, there, if there's a Dockside extortionist in here, you can bet that wizards will figure out how to reprint that and sell it in the next like master's product or, or reprint set or whatever, right? So... I wouldn't worry about it. Like, I, I think if you're if you're looking for like an entire uh, Astarte steam deck, they're probably not going to make like twenty or thirty cards. But if there's like that one dock side or whatever, they they will definitely reprint it just to cash in um, on that valuable card. So I think it'll be okay. But I, I don't know. Who knows? Right? Like Wizards clearly doesn't have a, a concrete plan. They're kind of just like wishy washy hand waving it. Um, so, but you know, they, they can probably figure it out. Like a little secret layer, whatever. Drop it. You pay fifty bucks. You'll be happy about it. Like it'll it'll, it'll work out. And maybe the magic version of Asteris will be Astarts, and then we'll be right on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, 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 yes. Astarts. That's where. Oh. <laughs> uh. Anyway, let's talk about some of the cards from these decks. There's actually some pretty interesting cards. Uh, so, Richard, why don't you guide us through some more Hammer spoilers? All right. Uh, so you can find all these cards at mtgpreviews.com. We also have all the deck lists up on mtggoldfish.com. Uh, but let's start off with... Uh, okay, I'm going to... I only got the primer for Astartes. <laughs> I don't know all these other ones. Uh, Trazine the Infinite... Four black black legendary creature, a uh, legendary artifact creature, Necron, at rare, four six, death touch, prismatic gallery. As long as Trazine the Infinite is on the battlefield, it has all activated abilities of all artifacts in your graveyard. I mean, they put it right in the name. Like, you're supposed to go infinite with this card. I think that's, like, the goal of of this is your commander. And it's even in your command zone. It's so easy to build a deck. Like, Black's really good at filling the graveyard. So you just self-mill aggressively and then get, like, something that taps for a bunch of mana and then something that untaps. Like, Gilded Lotus and Staff of Domination is going to give you infinite mana. And then the Staff of Domination part can also draw through your entire deck or, like, Pillapala and Thran Dynamo. There's so many ways that this can like just incidentally go infinite so i'm expecting this to be one of the more popular commanders the only thing that kind of keeps it in check is without haste uh, or finding a way to give it haste you do got to wait until you untap with this to do a lot of the shenanigans because most of the shenanigans are going to involve tapping this and untapping it or whatever so maybe that's like the safety valve that keeps it from being too devastating but i think this is going to be a very popular commander and probably a pretty strong one if you build around it in a way that's you know fairly competitive i actually think it's bad because Ooh. it's a one card combo sitting in your command zone and either you win on the spot doing nothing or you don't play the game at all as you're murdered or like rest in peace out of the game <laughs> so i think the play pattern is very boring and like it's just sitting there right like you can't let the player with tracing like untap with the graveyard right like you're just gonna like murder them ruthlessly and it doesn't matter what's in the graveyard because any moment like two artifacts can go in with a combo right so I feel this is the Golos problem, but, like, it has no way of, like, actually protecting itself or doing anything useful. Like, it kind of just combos or doesn't combo. So it, it's just, like, paints a big target on your back. Like, you don't want your combo piece sitting out in the open for everyone to see. They know exactly when you're going to combo off, right? I guess you could, like, Dark Ritual Jewel Lotus win on the spot, right? Like, you could power this thing out, but... Again, like you do that once or twice and like how fun is your deck? Either you win or you do literally nothing. So I, I feel it's too binary for me. Yeah. What do you think, Krim? I'm not exactly sure. Like and much much like what Richard mentioned, like this feels like one of those things where it's like I when I see a Brea player, right? Like I, I'm probably going to kill the Brea player first, right? I, I, I just know that it, it's going to go off. Even if they aren't trying, it'll go off or or they do nothing. So it's exactly like what Richard mentioned. Uh, he, he nails it right on the head there. 
I mean, I do think Arch Enemy is, like, a concern. At the same time, it just seems so easy to pull it off. But you're right, maybe it gets boring, because you're either, like, doing the thing and winning the turn you play your commander, or you're getting murdered before your commander comes down, or getting your graveyard shut down. So maybe it actually won't play in a way that's super fun. But I do think it's pretty powerful, as far as new legends go from this set, at least. Can, can you do, like, a turn one win with this? Like, some combination of, like, Ooh. Dark Ritual, Jeweled Lotus, Soul Ring, and then, like, somehow just, like, pop off, like, just like, with a single land. Oh, I wonder if you can. There, I, What's I the most efficient probably... way to mill yourself into something reasonable? It's probably got to involve Buried Alive. Yeah. And if you can get a pile of artifact... Right? If you can get a pile of artifact creatures that go infinite, so like an artifact creature that taps for a bunch of mana, an artifact creature that untaps, and an artifact creature that gives haste, I think that would potentially let you go infinite. I think all those things exist, yeah. but you're definitely going to need like a lot of fast mana. It's going to have to be the Dark Ritual Soul Ring Mana Crypt into your commander with enough mana to vary it alive. So th that's asking a lot, but I bet it's like technically possible to turn one win. Like... Can't you just like uh uh what's that card I'm trying to think of here too? You can like uh, Triskelion and like what's there's another card, right? Uh I, I can't remember what uh oh, the name Trisca of it. It's like the Triskelion combo. Uh Frexian Frexian Devourer, yes. I think is what, what yes. you're thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like so if you get those two in the yard, that's good enough to do it, right? They are both artifacts. So, yeah, that would work because Necrotic Ooze can win with that combo, right? So, yeah, essentially, that's any Necrotic Ooze combo, but if you have artifacts instead of creatures, work. So, yeah, I think that would do it. So, that's two creatures. You don't even need haste. You still need a lot of mana. You need six mana for your commander and enough to somehow bury to live those two creatures in your graveyard. But you're right, Triskelion, Frexian, Devourer, that just goes infinite and wins the game. Yeah, like, and, you know, it's not hard to get creatures in the graveyard. So with all like yeah. cards mentioned, like buried alive and things like that. You have buried alive. You have entomb. Uh, what, what's that ritual for like creatures in your graveyard? Oh, the one Tomer always plays, uh, Song of the Damned or yeah, something. Yeah, Song of the Damned. It's like you just need to like fill your graveyard. Like there's so many ways to combo with. That's why this is like it's never safe to tap out against this. <laughs> like I don't know if you could actually erase this, right? So with uh, with these powerful graveyard commanders. Do you still feel bad about playing like a rest in peace or a ley line of void in your commander deck? Like no. I know people get salty about that because it like, oh, it shuts down like some people's whole decks. But at some point, if we're gonna get these like one card combo commanders in your command zone, at some point, isn't that the like right thing to do to play graveyard hate like that? Are people it's upset? EDH. <laughs> but think about the alternative, Seth. You sit down at FNM. You're like, oh, I bought this new Trazy the Infinite, okay? And they're like, first player goes swamp, plays that like one man of black, rest in peace. Okay? And then player second void. player, <laughs> second player slaps on an actual rest in peace. And then you're like, what am I going to do? And then you play some stuff and the third person just plays a collector oof or something. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> So I mean, like, and then you get no fun, right? But I, I, the alternative is you combo off and no one else gets fun. So I, I get that, right? But I think it's kind of like a lose-lose, right? Like, you don't want people yeah. doing nothing. So that's why I don't like these all-in commanders that are, are kind of just like, they either win or they do literally nothing. And I think this is one of those commanders. Like, it's just, yeah. you feel bad for shutting them down. But if you let them do anything, they win, right? So you can't allow them to do anything. I, I like to call that the fill problem. <laughs> it's the like, Tomer problem. I feel bad because I got to kill problem. Phil, but maybe it's a, maybe originally it's a Tomer problem. Yeah, before Phil was on Commander. Like he's going to storm like, off if you let him do anything. But if you like stop him, then he literally does nothing because he has a bunch of storm cards that can't yeah. do anything, right? <laughs> so like, yeah, you feel bad you, no matter the outcome, right? Yeah, no matter what. It's a it's a lose-lose. It's a lose-lose. You end up feeling bad. And that's like the worst thing in a game of Commander because what you want is everyone to have, have fun. So when you get these situations where you come away from it feeling bad... Maybe that's a sign of it being a bad design with those commanders like that. So I think you're winning me over, Richard. I still think this card's bonkers on power level. But whether or not this is actually, like, a healthy card that's going to lead to fun games of commander, I think maybe you're right that it's actually not going to do that as often as I was hoping. All right. Uh, well, in case your combo pieces required um, non-artifacts, we have <laughs> Biotransference. 
Two black black enchantment. Creatures you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. The same is true for creature spells you control and creatures you own that aren't on the battlefield. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, you lose one life and create a 2-2 black necron warrior artifact creature token. Ooh, I love this card. This card is just so cool. You get like a little bit of the Mycosynth Lattice feel, but it's only hitting you, so it's not going to actually like hate out anyone else. Turning all of your things into artifacts is just like a super unique ability. All of a sudden, your Fabricate can grab creatures, and then that last mode actually seems pretty powerful. Every time you cast a creature or an artifact, because all your creatures are going to be artifacts, you get a free 2-2. That's not a bad deal on a 4-mana enchantment. So this is one of my favorite cards from the set. I also think there's probably like some way to go infinite with it. I don't know. Or, or to combo with it. Maybe not go infinite, infinite. It works really well with the commander we were just talking about, actually, to turn all of your stuff in the graveyard, all your creatures in artifacts, allows for even more combos. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense in the context of its pre-contact. So... I love this card. I don't know exactly what to do with it, but I think this card's super cool. I don't know much about the Warhammer lore, but, like, this seems like it's just really cool, like, flavor-wise, right? I mean, turning things into machine, which is what I assume what the Necron are trying to do over there. So it, it just also seems like a really, like, fun card if you're a Warhammer fan. I think it's pretty sweet, and I don't even know Warhammer. <laughs> You're one uh, collector oof away from dying here, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> for sure. Everything in artifacts is very sus. You need to win immediately, uh, otherwise it's a little scary. A little, a little yeah, Vandal Blast action happening. Vandal Blast. Yeah. You, oh God, you're gonna get blown up by Vandal Blast so bad. <laughs> I mean, a free 2-2 for every creature you cast seems strong, though. Like, you can flood the board pretty quickly with this, especially if you got some cheap artifacts as well. If you think about, like, Poppet Stitchers and Talrans, we have a lot of cards that trigger like that based on casting instants or sorceries that make creatures, but this is letting you cast creatures to make creatures, so I feel like you're going to be able to really overwhelm people on the board, but there is risk. As you said, Vandal Blast or Shatterstorm or things like that, all of a sudden you're, you're making your whole board susceptible to artifact dream removal i don't know would you just play this in a creature heavy deck just to like make a bunch of tokens or is that not going to be good enough no why would you turn yourself on to like the <laughs> the most like hated type you know what i mean like in in like commander like people have some form of hate for it right so i think by doing this you kind of open yourself up to more blowouts you also lose yeah. life right you lose life yeah. and you just make a two two so it's a uh... I'm going to do this for value. I, I'd be comboing off with Urza or something if I was trying to do this. Yeah, you essentially need to win or have some kind of combo because, again, I just don't think you can open yourself up to all the blowouts that'll happen. But if you have, like, a Soul Warden, it undoes <laughs> the life loss. Like, there's lots of creatures that gain you life. So you're telling me it's a Soul Sister card. Okay. Soul, yes. Right. It's oh good. My Is God, this good Seth. in Soul Sisters? We got there. <laughs> Uh, all right, next up, uh, Exterminatus, five white and a black sorcery, non-land permanence your opponent's control, lose indestructible until end of turn, destroy all non-land permanence. I, I, wow, like really? D loses indestructible? Like, that's hilarious. I think that's absolutely hilarious that they're now going out of their way to add that because they know there's so many ways to like... You know, they, there's phasing, there's all this other stuff. So yeah, indestructible. It's, it's missing just... one last thing, which is all phased out permanence phase in. Were we <laughs> saying this was going to be a thing eventually? Now, yeah. now I'm curious when that version of that card comes. We're so close. Also, this is so overcosted. It's one less I mean, than undo inversion. <laughs> is this card even worth playing? Like, seven mana is a lot. I get getting around indestructible. That's nice. Someone casts their whatever, like, make all my things indestructible spell, and you get around it. That's a nice upside. You get someone's Lamog or something. There's a few indestructible threats, Blightsteel Colossus or whatever. But is that worth it to pay seven mana for your wrath? Is that enough upside when you could play a Damnation or a Deluge or whatever? This uh, Vanquish the Horde. This is a clean sweep, so I do like that. Uh, I don't think this thing is, like, that bad. Uh, it, yeah. If if its backside were a land, though, like Ondu Inversion, it'd be amazing. <laughs> but because it's not... Oh, what if it was a what if it was an Orzhov land on the backside? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that would be amazing. I would snap play that. Uh, I mean, but, so, so Farewell 
does kind of this thing but better <laughs> right yeah. six mana exile uh it doesn't hit planeswalkers but exterminatus does so so that's a that's a difference but like it's not just the ulavash killing right you wrath and people are just like okay i make all my creatures indestructible right and then you just handed them the game right so this prevents that and i think it's worth the extra mana um so <sighs> i mean i'd play this over damnation but i would play I don't know, Album Revelation before this or, you know, Farewell before this, I guess, right? But I think it's better okay. than Straight Wrath. So so it's it's in the conversation for being playable then. Probably not, like, a true staple, but good enough to be worth considering. Although it is a bummer to Fairy's Protection still beats it, and that's probably yeah. the most popular yeah, way to protect your board. Yeah, But it stops the white the, the white free spell, right? Yeah, yeah. It does. Stop flawless, flawless maneuver, maneuver and And only your like opponents that. too, right? So you can still flawless maneuver yourself <laughs> and then cast this. And it it also stops uh, another card coming in the precons, which I think is actually a pretty legit one. The next card on our list, actually. All right. Uh, and they shall know no fear. One in a white instant. Choose a creature type. Creatures you control the chosen type. Get plus one, plus zero, and gain indestructible until end of turn. This card's so good. Like, this card to me feels like a staple. If you consider what this card does, yes, Flawless Maneuver exists. But Flawless Maneuver is an outlier. You can cast it for free if you have your commander, which is pretty busted. Most of the effects that do this are three mana. So you're already getting a discount with this just being two mana. Plus, it's pumping your creatures, which a lot of the other versions don't necessarily do. I feel like if you're in white and you're a tribal deck, this is just like, in auto include, right? Isn't this like the next best option to flawless maneuver for saving your board? I I I don't know. I mean, wouldn't I rather play like eerie interlude, right? Afterwards, like things that would just like phase it out for a turn. Like yeah, it's great, and I mean it's kind of like different. You purposes, have Teferi's right? Pro, right? Yeah. So Teferi's yeah. Pro is number one. Flawless That's maneuver, yeah. Maybe. Do you need like a third protection spell? And is yes. it this one? Well. Uh, Wait, what was the your temples under attack or whatever the yeah the draw the, like, the you, you have the options. better secret rendezvous yeah yeah <gasps> but this is only two mana the two flawless maneuver cheap. zero mana <laughs> right I I think it's behind flawless maneuver and to so it's the third protection do you, do you really run like that many protection spells in your tribal decks yeah I run like I run eerie interlude I run you know Teferi's protection obviously uh, flawless maneuver I run about like like six ways to keep my stuff on board. <laughs> to protect your one opposition agent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I got, I got to go all left if you have six protection spells in your deck. Like, Krim builds as if he's playing against himself and everyone has ten rats. <laughs> yep. Look, look, that's how you meta everybody, all right? You play around your own decks. But, like, legitimately, it, it's it's great, right? Like, having, yeah. like, just numerous ways to keep your board around. Uh, so, like... It's great in my humans deck, so I, I've enjoyed my humans deck a lot uh, for that exact reason. And this, I do feel like this is still a very good card, uh, but it does feel slightly like the the, the two mana is obviously great, but like it's not there yet. I don't know. I, I there are things that I play in my humans deck that aren't necessarily human, like Luminous Broodmoth, so I want to be able to just make sure that I have ways to also protect that as well. So there's a lot of like big mass like protection spells that just make it so that this is like good, but it's definitely not like taking priority. Like this is more like my sixth or even seventh protection spell, sure. Ooh. Wow, yeah. is it that far down the list? Jeez, okay. I was thinking. Like I would say third, it's third, maybe, maybe third or fourth. But I, I don't even play that many. I play like two protection well, spells max, so we we would not make it to this point on the list. Right. Well, well, think about it. You have like a, even I like Acroma's Will more, right? Like that works mm. as well. Like so, yeah, it costs yeah. double the mana, but like it it wins it you finishes the game. The game. Yeah. yeah, like it like so that that's the main thing. Like there's there's a lot there uh, that like. Card is good, but like Eerie Interlude actually like phases it out, or like not phases out, but blinks it out. So you get ETBs again, uh, and and like of course you know it makes it so that maybe uh, the 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 exterminatus right, ha <laughs> ha, indestructible is now irrelevant. Well, my stuff's just not here. 
I think it probably depends on on your specific deck. Like, <laughs> are you are you trying to build around ETB triggers? Are you just trying to get in damage? The part I like about this is the it does pump cheaply too. Like, give all your stuff plus one plus zero is a nice bonus for two mana if you're some sort of like more go wide style tribal deck, or you're going uh, you know making a lot of tokens that are the same creature type. So I think there is homes for this, but maybe you're right that it doesn't go in every tribal deck. It probably really depends on on the theme of your deck. Yeah, which is which is why I think the card should be right. I think it's a good card. Card, and you'll put it in many decks but you don't just automatically jam it in like every tribal deck right you might want eerie interlude or you might yeah. want Akroma's will uh teferi's pro you put in every deck which is not good yeah. card design but yeah that's the problem <laughs> uh okay um next up we have the golden throne four mana legendary uh, four generic mana legendary artifact uh, if you would lose the game, instead exile the Golden Throne and your life total becomes one. Tap, sacrifice a creature, add three mana in any co combination of colors. Uh, this card's pretty sweet. I like that. So we have like Lich's Mirror, which is kind of similar. If you lose the game, it saves you. The problem is it makes you shuffle all of your stuff in and start over with no permanence and uh, whatever. That's not very good. Like, Lich's Mirror, yeah, it saves you, but you still really lose. There's just no way you can rebuild against people that have a full board when you have no permanence. This, I think, actually does save you, which is kind of nice. Like, sure, you're at one life, but still, that's going to hopefully buy you another turn to find a Wrath or find some removal or gain some life. So I think that that's actually a pretty appealing option. Plus, I mean, sacking a creature at three mana, any combination of colors, that's some pretty good ramp, especially if you're in the kind of deck that wants to be sacking stuff. I've been playing a lot of like Rocket uh playing Merkle lately, these commanders that actively want to be sacking your creatures. And I feel like in a deck like that, this is great. It's not going to draw the heat that like an Ashnod's Altar would because it's only once per turn, but still a free dark ritual for doing something you want to do anyway. I'll take that every turn. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, like I think it's actually like, pretty solid, uh, but definitely for a specific deck. So yeah, I, I agree. And like the the Merkle decks, like the the aristocratic kind of style decks, right? You, the things where you just want to send stuff to the graveyard. Anyways, it's great. Um, obviously, anything that's trying like if you're playing like a, a, a repay in kind style or whatever the profane procession or whatever the nine mana spell is from Commander Legends, anything that really cares about like lowering your health total to one uh this allows you to like you know fast track yourself down to one and then not and then immediately like it brings you back and then you can swap <laughs> life totals or something like i think there's a lot that you could do with this it's pretty fun uh i i like it as a card so it's great yeah refay and kind combo baby but i i think this card is bad like so so like the angel's grace mode is actually good but it's a surprise when it's sitting there on the battlefield, like, everyone knows, right? They'll just, like, hit you for lethal and then have, like, you know, one extra damage to ping you. Um, and, you know, it's multiple players, so one player knocks you to, to zero, you come back at one, and then the next person just pings you off as well. So it's, it's, the fact that it's just sitting there and everyone can see it, I think, is a problem. If you could, like, flash this in or, or something, I don't know how you would accomplish this, but, like, somehow make it a surprise. Chromatic orrery? <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, but, like, th this card is still, like, it still adds mana, though, right? Would like, you I just play Phyrexian Altar and Ashnod's Altar and I, stuff like that, though, if you just wanted to sack stuff for mana? I think it depends on how degenerate you want to be. One of my pet peeves in Commander is people running out their Ashnod's or Phyrexian Altar fairly and be like, oh, don't worry, I'm not comboing with this. You still gotta kill them, because they might be comboing. <laughs> they might not even think they're comboing, but they're accidentally comboing because those cards are so strong and easy to combo with. So I like that this is, it's not as strong as those cards, but I don't think it's gonna make you the arch enemy the way those cards do. So I think that's actually like kind of an upside, that it's a similar effect that you can play that probably isn't gonna get you immediately killed. Yeah, this right. it, this doesn't seem that problematic on the table, right? Just for those reasons, like everyone's like, "Oh, I'll just blow it up whenever you're done, or whenever <laughs> I'm about to kill you." But like, it's you good because it's bad. <laughs> it's it's so under the radar. It's like meta, you know. You're just like, "Oh, yeah. well, okay, all right, all right, all right." And, and on top of that, it makes mana. So if this were just that first passive mode or whatever, where if you'd lose the game, I'd think this is unplayable. There, there's got to be a combo. Like a repay and kind combo where you play one of those like lose the game cards, go to one and just swap immediately. It's gotta be. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that does sound sweet. 
What's the best way of actually doing a, that? A like take an pact. extra turn, lose the game. Yeah, a slaughter <laughs> yeah, pack. Yeah, that's like two mana. That, that's very Don't pay efficient. for the pact. I mean, you still got to pay a, what, seven mana repaying kind. So there's still some mana cost associated with it. But that does sound like a hilarious way to win. Or, oh, um, a near-death experience. This might be the best yeah. way to get the near-death experience uh, <laughs> kill. <laughs> the very easy near-death experience kill. Oh, now I'm going to have to build this deck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last card we're going to talk about. Scepter of Eternal Glory. Four generic mana, legendary artifact. Tap, add one mana of any color. Tap, add three mana of any one color. Activate only if you control three or more lands with the same name. Is this card good in monocolor decks? I I think it is. Like, well, I don't know because it's not like monocolor decks nowadays only play, like, example, like islands, right? Like, that's not all they play. Um,. That I don't know. Like I, I, I wasn't actually able to really get a read on this when I looked at it. It looked just like it was like decent, uh, but it's not like amazing or anything. Because yeah, we we mix and match so many lands now, and I'm not talking like about like artworks. I'm talking like you know like <laughs> types and names and all that stuff. Uh, you know, some people are trying to turn on like you know feel the dead and things like that. So you know, like I. Uh, in the right, like, the, the specific kind of build, maybe, like, in a specific, like, kind of deck build, like, how these pre-cons are built, yeah, sure. But in real life, uh, where I feel like everyone's mixing up every land, I don't, I don't know. It just seems, eh. I'm leaning towards this card being not very good. Like, if you think about comparisons, so let's say you're mono-colored. If you're mono-colored... Couldn't you just play Thran Dynamo and always make three mana? Sure, it's generic mana, but if you're monocolored, that probably doesn't matter because your mana is uh, your uh, mana base. Your lands are actually going to be producing your colored mana. And then for one more mana, Gilded Lotus is this, but you don't have to worry about the land restriction. I don't know. I don't think I'd play this card. I, I'm kind of leaning towards this being like just worse than Thran Dynamo. And I don't even play three and dynamo in most decks anymore. It's been it's been many years since that's been like a staple mana rock for me. Yeah, the, the colored mana match. So if you play it on four, right, uh, you can then play a three drop with colored mana. So like you can't do that with three and dynamo. Um, ah, but but like Krim is right. Basic, like, who, basic, who basic. plays all these basics, right? <laughs> like you, yeah. I feel you gain you gain more power in your deck by running field of the dead in your mono blue deck or whatever right like it, it's almost always correct between like Vesuva, thespian stages urza sagas whatever right mdfc's like, mdfc's yeah there's no basics and here's the thing if you're running a budget deck this might actually be good but this card is so expensive right like currently it's not it's not worth so yeah i don't i think basics have been power craft and the, the people I, that have basics would be green, but like green doesn't want this, right? Right. Um, I honest, I don't know if this is better than Heater and Archive, honestly. Does oh not draw me cards. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him a draw off Heater and Archive. You just think you're going to draw, but you'll be tapped out when the Wrath comes down and then you get nothing. <laughs> so maybe just getting the three mana is better. <laughs> I'm... Oh... I'm okay, surprised none of y'all are, are talking about another card. Oh, what what card uh, are you hyped about? It. What is it? Plague drone. What is what is going on here? Three and a black, a flying three three demon. <laughs> if an opponent would gain life, that player loses that much life instead. Are you kidding me? That card is sick. Like, there's two cards that I just feel like nobody's mentioned. It's that and blight grenade. Blight grenade is also sick, which is just four and a black destroy target creature. All creatures get minus three minus three. You, okay, wait, wait, wait. Blight Grenade? <laughs> yeah. Blight Grenade seems... Really? Is that this a card you would unplayable. want in your deck? What? Five mana sorcery, blow up a creature? And then everything gets minus three, minus three afterwards? Why wouldn't I want to try that? Why don't I just play Damnation? Oh. <laughs> yeah. pretty, you, no, 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 Richard. You would play it with Damnation. You would play it with Damnation, I'm right? I'm sure like, I could play enough Black Wraths that are better than Blight Grenade to fill you, out my 100-card deck room. Yeah, but, like, Blight Grenade is so cool flavor-wise. <laughs> it's just, like, blow something up, right? And then and then its body essentially, like, spreads a bunch of, I don't know, Blight and that's minus three. I, I wish minus it three. had like the keyword. Like if the if the creature had like um, death touch or something, it like just kills everything. Oh, that would have been sick. Yeah. Or, or I mean, I would love this if it also gave permanent minus th like 
three minus one minus one counters. <laughs> so a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, I would love that. Yeah. Put some stickers. Put, put three okay. stickers on each creature. Who wants to sit through? Who wants to sit through that? I do think play drone is interesting. Would you just play it for value, Krim? Just being like, hey, someone might gain life. I, I could see building around it where you're like playing happily ever after and playing other effects that like force people to gain life and trying to punish them for it. I think that would actually be a pretty fun deck to build, like using this as a additional tainted remedy effect for some like janky combos. But would you just run this out being like, hey, maybe maybe I run into Soul Sisters. This is very good against Soul Sisters. Think, think of it like this. Look, from how long I've known you, Seth, I gotta, I, I'm worried. <laughs> Soul Sisters is everywhere. This should be in modern. Like, I, I gotta... There's so many cards that are good in it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it makes sense to tech for it. <laughs> you gotta be ready because the Soul Sisters meta is here. Why is this a demon? Where's the demon? <laughs> Yo, the demon is when, when, when the opponent tries to gain life and they realize they can lose life. That's that's the demon right there, okay? I, this That is so sick. That card is like, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just because everything has tacked on life gain, life link. Um, like, that's a cool shadow spear, right? Like, you can hit yourself for, like, seven also, right? Like, or I guess it doesn't do that. Well, yeah, no, it does. It would replace that, so they just hit themselves for seven. I don't know. I just want to flash this in against like a Etherflex Reservoir player. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> my God. So, someone cast Beacon of Immortality, flash like, it in. <laughs> what about Aristocrats, right? They try to do like some kind of Zulaport cutthroat stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> But instead, yeah. now they drain themselves. That you would think oh. they would stop doing those shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean, right? Like, it puts a damper on that game plan. They can't just be like, well, I'm going off and I'm going to drain the table. It's like, okay, well, you know, at least hit yourself on the way out. All right. Confirmed. Plague drone, ver- most versatile and most chase rare of Warhammer Honestly, 40K. slept on card. <laughs> slept on card. <laughs> that and, and, and the assassin. The blue black one, like there's actually like really good cards here that that I feel like uh, are aren't getting enough hype. But you know what? It's fine. I, I'm, I'm gonna show you all. <laughs> I'm gonna show you all. Paladin <laughs> Assassin comes down. Um, like have you seen that card? It's four blue black flash. I um polymorphine. You may have Kaladis uh, Assassin enter the battlefield tapped as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it has whenever this creature enters the battlefield, destroy up to one other target creature with the same name as it. That's a sweet clone. Yeah, right? Like, evil that's a twin. super sweet evil twin with Flash. Yeah. I'm here for that. Yeah. And and I don't even yeah, have they- to, like, tap to do it, right? Like, it just enters the battlefield, destroy up another target, which I actually think makes it better. Oh, it's better than evil twin for sure. Yeah. I mean, if if you're in the in the market for a clone and you're, and you're in Demir, that's probably one of the go-to options. I mean, there are a lot of really sweet cards in the set. And, and play if you want to see them all. And well, a lot of really sweet cards and Plague Drone. Yeah, Plague that's Drone exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was meaning it actually. Um, you Plague can, Drone is sick, dude. <laughs> if if you want to see all the cards, you can find them uh, over at mtdpreviews.com. And I'm sure there'll be more coming up uh, on the Commander YouTube channel. We'll uh, we'll have some videos there talking about these cards as well. But we should probably hit up a couple other topics. There's uh, two or three other ones I wanted to get to briefly. One is we got a BNR this morning. Uh, BNR update. We have four cards, man. My question to you is, do you even know what any of these cards are that they existed? The the cards, and the format was Pauper. The cards banned, Ekorata Sneak, Stirring Bard, Underdark Explorer, Vicious Battle Rager. Any idea what those cards have in common that have led to them all being banned in Pauper today? I I didn't. I know because I put them on the site. Uh, (laughs) They all have initiative. Yes, the the initiative mechanic has more or less been banned from the Pauper format, which I think is a good thing. I haven't played much Pauper lately, but apparently the meta is all about like dark ritualing into your <laughs> initiative threats and just trying to parlay that into a victory. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that shakes out. I've seen some of the people I respect the most that play Pauper, some of the experts in the format saying that the format's just not very fun. This was before this BNR announcement, so hopefully this is good news for all the Popper players out there. Any any thoughts on this? Wait, is Initiative the dungeon? Yes, it is the new the new dungeon mechanic, yeah. And th- that's good enough for you to Dark Rich? I don't even know what the new dungeon does. Does it draw a card somewhere in there? Why are you Dark Rich? There's the first... 
yeah, there's the first one, like, it's a basic land. It's just all, like, Pauper's all about just grindy card advantage. There's not really any sweepers, so it's, uh, like, Monarch was at its best, I think, in Pauper. Yeah. So this is just kind of, like, another Monarch where you just, like, try to get this repeatable slow value because there's not these big swing and the game type of plays. There's no, like, huge finishers where, oh, I got an Emrakul and the game's over or whatever. They manned all the storm cards. So there was no big, like, oh, I stormed off and killed you. So it's really about just, like, grinding out repeatable advantage and even even though initiative is not like a ton of advantage, it's enough that uh, the popper players are all about it. So I know nothing about these cards <laughs> until like this morning. Like I, I learned about them fresh this morning. I had to look them all up. And I already forgot what they did. So, like, <laughs> they're really bad. It's like a four mana one five with initiative. And that's it. That's enough. That's enough to get that's, yourself banned, right? Pop, like, Popper's yeah. wild. Popper's wild. They're yeah, doing things is, out there. So, like, I, I, I have no idea what's going on because, like, I, I hope this fixed the format because uh, if we're losing to vicious battle rager, that seems really sad. So. Yeah, so I don't. This happens I, to Popper a lot, right? They just print some like random mechanic, and it just like turns Popper over, and then they go and ban it. So I I, I do have to say I have a a huge appreciation for how they do Popper bannings. Gavin's really like taking the helm, uh, and has like the Popper committee that helps him with stuff. But a lot of times we get BNR announcements, and it's kind of like a paragraph with like a little bit of data, and like here's this card being banned. But with Popper, there's like articles gavin has like a 15 minute video explaining like exactly why they ban these cards and where the meta is at so i would love to see more of that with other formats because i think just the way they handle bannings and popper is far above how they handle them in any other form and i think it's mostly like gavin's doing he just like does an amazing job with this so i guess shout out to that if you want to hear more about these bannings uh, check out gavin's video that goes in depth on it but other news we have two pieces of tournament news First, we had our <laughs> some EU news. I don't know if you all saw this uh, going across Twitter. They had a, a big qualifier uh, over in uh, Europe this weekend. This is the qualifiers to get to the actual Pro Tours. So that when they started up OP again, they split it up in regions. So like Europe would have their own tournament organizer. We have, I think, DreamHacks is doing it here in the US. So each region has their own TO. The Europe one apparently did not go very well. There's some pictures posted on Twitter where they charge people $100 to play in the event and the, the tables that they have literally cannot fit two playmats. The, the pictures are actually pretty funny. You see people's just like playmats really hanging off the table, like almost down in their laps. What do you guys think about... <laughs> Well, what's going on with Tournament Magic? Like, they bring it back, and then we have stuff like, is there no quality control? Does Wizards not have, like, the ability to be like, hey, EU tournament organi organizer, you really, like, should have tables big enough to play our game on or something. Like, what's going on with this? What What is up with Paper Magic these days? I, I would assume that was just also, like, common sense, right? Like, when it comes <laughs> to, like, like, I mean, sorry, that might sound a little harsh, but, like, is that not just, like, the what you would assume right like hey i should be able to fit my playman <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. at the very i, I least. would assume that <laughs> yeah. like, am i, I being unreasonable <laughs> yeah, well. and therefore it was never codified i think wizards will have to add a new standard that tables <laughs> must be at least of certain size because you can fit two rows of cards on your side um like, it looks like a like a like an actual like picnic bench or something. You know, like when the, the picnic table's full and you're trying to play some magic, you're just sitting <laughs> on the side bench. <laughs> you're trying to jam some magic. Like that's what it looks like. I, I don't know how this is acceptable. Uh, I don't know why the TO thought this was acceptable. You know uh, what? I, I think I, Wizards I, definitely does not see this acceptable. And I think uh, you know, they're gonna have some harsh words with this TO and they're probably gonna codify this. Um, you know, that you actually need tables of certain size, because this is actually quite ridiculous it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's embarrassing i know it's embarrassing. why the, the they must the last tournament they ran must have been another card game the weeby card game why schwartz because i've seen the playmats for those games and they're like the size of like my macbook keyboard just the, the keyboard <laughs> not not the whole laptop and i'm like what is going on here so you know what if the TO out and just said you know what we ran a card game that had a much smaller playmat size i would accept that okay sure you know those uh, tiny, tiny dual decks they made where all the cards were like a quarter size? <laughs> someone, someone should have busted that out at this legacy tournament or whatever. 
Uh, would have would have been absolutely perfect for that. So, well, hopefully they they get that fixed. Uh, qualifiers are expensive, and you gotta have at least like a minimum standard of quality, which I think uh, means your playmat fitting on uh, the table, both of them for both players. But other tournament news: Arena Championship One coming up this weekend. This is officially the first big event of our new op system we got paper organized play now we'll have a pro tour the and the winner the first one this is the first arena pro tour essentially the arena championship it's coming up this weekend curious if you guys are going to be watching this uh, are you hyped about this i used to be so hyped for pro tours this one i was hyped about because i was like wow i want to see what the pros do with our new standard format and then i realized Apparently it's alchemy for some for some reason, which just blows my mind because we just had rotation. If there's one single month of the magic year that is perfect for hosting a standard tournament, it's September after you have a new set release and rotation and standard, but instead it's alchemy and alchemy is still like not really rotated. Like it rotates like standard, but apparently like uh, all the Commander Legends cards are still there. There hasn't been the alchemy release for Dominaria United yet. So the format kind of just, it blows my mind. I don't know why they went with this choice, but what do you guys think about Arena Championship 1? Are you watching and why is it alchemy? Um, so, like, I'm probably not watching just because I, I haven't watched Pro Magic in a minute. Um, but, like, I will, I will say, though, that, like, it is kind of shocking that Alchemy is the first thing, um, before even giving the regular set, uh, like, standard to, to, like, play out. Because I always viewed Alchemy as, like, a way to more so just, like, fix some things, uh, within the meta. Uh, and, and I don't think we really know what the meta is yet. So I'm kind of surprised. I do like seeing their, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I dare say it. I know fake magic, but like, uh, I'd like to see uh, like the digital cards pop off, though, because I don't know. It's always interesting to see what they come up with when it comes to alchemy. Yeah, it's it's so alchemy is definitely different from standard, right? Because all the rebalances, all the digital cards. So as a standard player, I don't have any interest in watching it. I was actually very hyped. I was like, oh, finally, I can watch like some pro magic and then see uh, see what everyone's answer to, you know, mono black or black X mid-range or whatever is a standard. And it turns out it's alchemy. And, and the thing is, like, Wizards was so dodgy about it. Like, they don't even say it's like an alchemy tournament. You have to, like, dig real deep to figure out what the format is. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know what they're doing, man. Like, I, I understand why they wanted the default format, right? But they must know that tournament magic players do not like alchemy. So who's going to watch this, right? Like tournament magic players like watching standard. So I'm not sure why this event itself has to be alchemy, right? Um, they can have alchemy events on arena and they can make the, the actual um, rewards alchemy stuff. That's fine, I think. Uh, but tournament magic is full of standard players. Um, so I'm not sure why. And I guess we'll find out, right? We'll see what the views are like on this tournament. And maybe we're just wrong. Maybe all the alchemy players will come and support it and it'll be a big successful event. Um, but I certainly wish it was standard. Like I, I really wanted to see some standard pro play. Um, but uh, me too. I, I guess I missed you. Mm. It's so open. Here's... This is like the best standard ever. Yeah. <laughs> like we standard. Can't, we can't see it. Standard's fun. Do you remember how hyped it was when they do like, it was usually SCG the weekend after the set release. We'd have a big yep. standard tournament and oh, I would watch it every time and it was so sweet and I really missed that. So for me, I don't even really play alchemy. It's not my it's not my thing. I just question the timing of this. If this was like uh, I can see the value of alchemy when standard is solved and dead and stale and everyone's kind of like bored with the format and they just want something else. Doing alchemy pro tour like it's not my thing, but it makes sense to me in that context. But doing it like right after rotation when standard is fresh and everyone's hyped about rotation and no one knows what's going on with the meta other than there's a lot of black decks. It's like just such a perfect time for a standard tournament. And I mentioned this on Twitter and someone said, well, I think they're saving standard for worlds, but that's not until Vegas, the end of October. So it feels like they're falling into the same issues they had with the MPL, which is just scheduling things at times when uh, in formats that people don't really want to watch, like st scheduling standard right before rotation or right before a new set release when no one cares. And then scheduling alchemy right after a new set releases when everyone is interested in standard. So I was hoping that they had learned something from the MPL experience where I think a, a huge part or at least a meaningful part of why it flopped was just they scheduled things at very awkward times, but apparently that didn't happen in this case. So 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll have it on in the background as I'm doing other stuff, but I'm definitely much less interested now that I know it's an alchemy tournament. So, well, anyway, I think those are all of our big topics today, which means it is time for some fish mail. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MGGoldfish with the hashtag MGFishMail, and we'll get to your question on air. Uh, shout out to all the people who uh, told me it's uh, Astartes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hattle 200. Should we be worried about leyline <laughs> binding in modern? We've seen decks like Creativity, uh, Rhinos, Forcey, Omnath, etc. Splash and off-color, off-color Triumph to play it since it's so free. I worry cards like it encourage too many decks to go 5C. Should Modern ban Triumphs? Oh. Mm, no. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I don't think it would even do anything. Like, if you want to go 5C, you can do it with shocks and Fetches. I, uh, triumphs, I guess, are helpful, but I don't think it's uh, really a deal breaker as far as going 5 color. I would say the decks that are most interested in this are the Cascade-style decks, if anything, it's a, a testament to just how busted the Cascade mechanic is, really. And we've seen this be a problem in the past. We've seen Simeon Spirit Guide because a uh, ban because of the Valky cascading into Valky and getting a Tibal synergies. So really, I see it as just like another reminder that Cascade is a, a really broken mechanic. Uh, but no, I don't think there's a problem with deck splashing for Leyline Binding. I, I, I mean, it, is that really any worse than anything else that's going on in Modern? Like, like... I, I don't I don't view this enchantment as that that problematic. So, uh, if they want to add more colors, more tap lands into their deck, that's great. Um, I I do believe that that is correct though. Like what what you had mentioned, where it's like probably if you're worried about anything, it's cascading. So would it change your mind if I told you I now play Domain Jund, <laughs> where I put I put the Bat Triumph in my deck, and then I play. <laughs> I play the, the, the two-mana Charmagoyf domain one that's, like, way better than Charmagoyf because it's a two-mana 5-5 five five that lets you either graveyard hate or uh, cantrip your red six lands. Oh, right. And then I, I play Draco, the the 4-4 four four flyer that gives my Dothy Voidwalkers uh, death touch as well. And it, all, all it cost me was, like, one Triome in the deck. <laughs> Art. Are you even Jund anymore at that yeah, point? Yeah, the, the, it's, <laughs> it's basically Jund, but you replace Kalidus. <laughs> or whatever, whatever your four drop of choices with the with the dragon, and then you replace Tarmogoyf uh, with the... What's, what's it called? The ter Territorial Kavu. Um, yeah. It's basically, it plays exactly like Jund, but you're way better, and then you're like way soft against Blood Moon now, because like all your crap dies when they Blood Moon you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it has a lot more Interesting. game. Interesting. <laughs> So, so you found a way to get bodied by Blood Moon even harder. <laughs> yeah, but it's so much better now because you have like so much main deck graveyard hate and then your red and six just draws you cards, right? Because you can just chuck those lands to Kavu and then your Kavu has trample because of the, the dragon. So like you can actually like punch through instead of people just chumping your goyfs all day. You know how you can get around that? You just play four or five color control, anyways. Omnath, good Mertide. stuff. Yeah, you you can do that <laughs> just too. Play Grixis Death Shadow. <laughs> just do anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like legit, you're actually just not that far off from being able to play just like an Omnath four or five color good stuff deck. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. YVH twenty seven. The MVG Arena matchmaker is so blatantly rigged towards creating mirror matches, don't you think this is a problem that should be addressed more by the community? It undermines the whole idea of a meta existing since everyone experiences their own meta. Wait, why? Is there actually proof that the <laughs> Arena matchmaker favors mirror matches for some reason? So I, I know in like... In 1v1, if you play off meta, it matches you off meta, doesn't it? But it still wouldn't be, like, a mirror match necessarily, right? Like, off-meta wouldn't mean the same deck. I think it would just be something else. My understanding is that, like, somebody has some, like, power ranking of the rares and mythics in your deck. And if you're yeah. playing a lot of the ones that show up in top-tier decks, then you're going to probably play other top-tier decks. But if you're not playing those cards, you're probably going to play other people who aren't playing the top-tier cards. But still, like, that wouldn't be a mirror match necessarily. But, so if you're playing Black X in Standard right now you would just be matched against Black X and Standard, right? I think that's what they're hinting at. But and if you, like, try to build an anti-Black meta deck that's off-meta, then you don't get matched against the Black X decks anymore, and then you're just doing nothing. Like, I think that's what they're okay. kind of hinting at. Is that I real? I mean, I can see that, although although that w wouldn't that be, like, uh, 
just a problem of black being so heavily played in standard rather than the matchmaker itself. Like it's kind of a weird scenario where a huge percentage of the decks are black decks right now. So I wonder if that's like an arena issue or just a meta game issue. Wait, 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 hold on. Is this even real? Like I know that you get paired against other people, like if you play in like casual one v one or like unranked. Yes, it'll it'll sync up your. Power. Oh, is it only unranked? I thought I thought this was just best of unranked. I'm unsure where this mode comes into play, but this mode does exist. The mode exists in unranked. So I, if you're playing ranked, I mean, I've gotten the widest uh, matchups, right? I've gotten like. Yeah, I have had a mirror match, but that just happens, right? But like, and then it's like off meta crew. <laughs> oh, I'm playing off meta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have such a wide variety of the meta game because you're in the off meta meta game. <laughs> I, 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 you know what, the Wild West, maybe that's true. I, but like at the same time, I don't, I don't think this is actually real, right? Like this, this feels like some of this is just speculation, right? Like I, I cannot imagine that actually being real. Because so, I've gotten paired against a wide array of matches on my control decks. I've gotten that on even when I was playing like Grixis midrange. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen that. So, I mean, I think it's definitely a thing for unranked. I'm not 100% sure if it how it applies to ranked or if it applies to ranked. Uh, arena's tricky because it, there's so much variance between best of three and best of one and unranked and ranked. It's hard to know exactly what's going on. So maybe if this person who sent in the question is not playing ranked, maybe try to play ranked instead and see if that helps. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll be different. Although... Like, you just got to come to grips with the fact that black is like 50 to 75% of the meta. So if you're playing black decks a lot, it's not because Arena has some conspiracy to make you play black decks. It's because everyone is playing black decks because they're really good. All right. And last question, 11 Vicious. What are your thoughts on Vegas not having any on-demand events? So there, there was a tweet asking if there'd be on-demand events. And <laughs> Pastimes basically said, uh, we don't have an answer <laughs> for that. Um, which is a weird answer to give. I mean, the event is like a month and a bit away. Like either, yes, there are, or no, there are not. Um, maybe that means no, there are not, but they're trying to get some. (laughs) How do you mess up GP Vegas? Like seriously, how, how do you mess up? Like importing tiny tables from EU. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's the the whole setup is very very weird to me. Like having everyone pre register for events, have all the events essentially or very a uh, very high percentage of them be sold out. So now there's not events that you can join if you want to. Being kind of dodgy about if there's on demand events, which I thought they initially said there'd be on demand events, but maybe I was misunderstanding when they had the initial announcement. So all that just seems like a mess. It's just like such a counterintuitive way to run this event. Uh, So I'm disappointed by that. The good news is there's going to be thousands of Magic players all in the same place, hanging out in Vegas. My best experiences at Vegas are drafting with people in hotel lobbies and things like that. Like, that's that's what makes past GP Vegas is for me. So I guess the good news is even if the actual event is not running as smoothly as maybe I would like it to or there's some weird choices going on with events or not having events... I think that people are still going to have a really good time because there's going to be a lot of people to hang out and play magic with, whether that's happening at the event or happening in other places. I have a feeling the event hall is a lot smaller than what we need because that would be the only reason, right? Like they maybe initially thought not many people are coming to Vegas, so they booked um, not the main convention center. And then, you know, they they need to have like the the free play area, the command zone area, and then the on-demand event area. And, like, on-demand events are basically free, right? You just need some floating judges. So why would they not have them? It has to be a space issue, right? Like, I don't I don't understand yeah. why they wouldn't have it otherwise. So that's my I mean, guess. It has something to do with space at the event, and they're trying to figure it out, which is why they won't give an answer, because it's probably no, but we're trying to make it happen. Um, and hopefully it'll be a pleasant surprise when it all happens like we expect it. Um, I mean, the... I think the bigger concern for me is really like, is there going to be free play areas outside of the command zone for people to just play casual games? Like that's, 
Um, and maybe it's just because of how we play Magic, and I don't really do on-demand events anyway, but I do have a real worry that there's going to be a lot of people that are just not going to have a place to play if you didn't get the expensive tickets that let you in the command zone. Is there even going to be enough just open tables where you can play a fun game with some random people? That's my bigger concern, because the few things we've heard Wizards say about that are like limited number of free play tables or something and just like those words <laughs> make me a little worried that maybe that's not gonna work out either but worst case like find a hotel lobby find a casino lobby <laughs> set up play some magic there's got to be a poker table somewhere that you can you know borrow to get in a commander game or something so oh, there might be a park bench that we can sit on and <laughs> I'm, I'm you chase versus mats. Vraska tidy decks <laughs> we, we just go to like a, a pizza hut or something like that or a domino's just just hang out there and we just like play commander because i'm the more i'm hearing about it the more it just seems like there's not gonna be enough space also what we can and can't do is like a whole like thing on like which badge i have and it's just like ah it's just a lot of work this is all i, I paid 160 dollars for this privilege here <laughs> like, i yeah. should pay this and then have to do my own stuff right like they're supposed to set this all up so yes right. that yeah. that is a workaround but like what am i paying for if i'm going there doing everything myself right like exactly so, yeah so hopefully they, they get it straightened out it's all rumors and hearsay now so hopefully it's uh they turn it around and, and get it all organized uh, all right, that's all of Fishmail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in their questions. If you have future questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe this brings us to the end of episode 399 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about... <laughs>